0: You're listening to Sibling Talk with Mary Jo Tumare and John Paulette. Commentary from a progressive point of view. Hello, this is John Paulette. And Mary Jo Tumare. Mary, kind of a simple question. Someday, all of this, the COVID uh, The quarantine will be over. And I'm wondering, what will be different? What will be different in the country, the world, in our lives? Do you have any ideas?
1: Well, I think we can think of the good things and the bad things. And since we always seem to end on kind of a dire note, maybe we should do the good things first. So I think some of the good things will be... um, It's the whole thing is accelerated things that were in the work. So one of those would be telemedicine. So the insurance companies, the docs have been trying to get this off the ground for years. And now people are getting used to seeing their doctor on a video chat. And that should make, it could make um, access to health professionals easier, faster. And I think that's probably a good thing. And I don't think we've talked about this before, but you're a teacher, and I think it has accelerated the use of online learning as well. And that also could be a really good thing.
0: You know, I, I'm going to hold you on those two, and I hope you have some more good things and bad things in mind. And I don't want to take our good thing and make it sour, but I have to raise the question. If we have a great advance in telemedicine, if we have an advance in e-learning, don't we further accentuate, create the, uh, the class divide between the haves and the have-nots? We already have people, uh, I saw the other day a listing that 20% of Americans do not have internet access. Uh, a great number of people, including many older people, still are uncomfortable with that. While that feels like a good thing to you and me, do we have a societal problem with this cultural divide or technological divide maybe?
1: So the good piece of that is if we push to making sure as part of an infrastructure bill or however they're gonna say that, that everybody has access and you push out whether it's 4G or 5G to everyone and make it more accessible then it could be that what have been some of the educational um, divide opportunities could close that gap could close I think that's one of the things we don't know on the other hand one of the things I have been thinking about is are we offering education in a way that ultimately workers will work? So related to the education issue is how many people are teleworking, but what are the kinds of jobs that are teleworking? The same kinds of jobs that these kids in high-end schools are getting educated for online. So it's training them well, to be teleworkers, but only intellectual workers are teleworkers. Blue-collar workers cannot telework.
0: Well, I think you're exactly right. And Kevin, you're correct. As you know, I am a teacher. So I've been involved now for several weeks uh, with teaching online. And I, I should say I'm a teacher uh, who likes a lot of technology use in my class. I've been thinking a lot about this. I think, maybe I hope that we understand or come to understand how the e-learning part of this can transform education. I'm going to be specific in just a moment. Right now, most people doing e-learning have found a couple of online apps. They've got an online platform and there's a Dropbox but really they're not doing anything different than they are in the classroom. Essentially the same. You just, you know, send it in. You don't see your teacher you use the remote conference. So it's a good adjunct. It helps out uh, in a way. My question is what could be different, fundamentally different and a benefit. And here's a, a rule of thumb. I'd apply. What are the things that we need to be together for. Uh, I think it is to communicate, perhaps to collaborate, to discuss face-to-face, to perform, and to show my achievement. But there are a lot of things that go on in into classroom that we don't need to be together for. I look at classrooms, I'm in a very good school, but I look at classrooms where there are kids sitting doing worksheets or doing readings in class. And it seems to me that we just have a leftover there of that model of school that says, I'm going to keep you here all day. Now, what does that look like? Does it look like there are only certain days when we have to have people together, certain projects that we have to have people together? I'm not sure of that, but I am certain there can be a transformation. It may be.
1: That what the model for that is really what's happening in progressive corporations, which is you allow people to telework. There's so much that needs to be, that can be done, to your point, without being together. But there are certain must attends, whether those are meetings, whether those are certain kind of events, even social events, certain um Meetings can be done on the telephone, but a lot of meetings need face to face. And so the manager, the boss begins to understand, when do I need people here? You can't walk away totally from bringing people together because there is a certain kind of creativity when you throw people in a room together and that gets lost, whether it's a business, I'm sure in a the classroom, there's that's there's many ways where people need to interact and one of them is just building relationships. It's very difficult to build relationships, even if you're seeing a face on a screen, as opposed to being together in the random banter that happens in those kind of moments to sort of the kind of the water cooler moments. So that I think we will figure out, whether it's for schools or businesses, between a doctor and a patient. I mean, a doctor may be able to see a patient on a screen But sooner or later, you know, medicine is tactile in its way. And he has to touch, you have to feel. And one of the things we're not doing right now is touching, feeling other human beings beyond our, you know, close circle. And that's difficult. I'm
0: going to switch gears on you a little bit, although I'm on my first question. And I guess I'm going a little more globally. I think when we come out of this, Having been the country that had the highest number of deaths, that most mismanaged it, combined with the last few years, I think we're going to face a world where the United States is no longer the leading company or country, still the largest economy, I'll give you that, but certainly not a moral or a leadership a beacon to the world. Do you agree with that? And I guess I wonder, how do you think Americans are going to feel? You and I grew up in a world that was kind of created by the Second World War, and America was the leading light. What's going to go on with
1: this? um, Yesterday, I was really down, and I realized one of the reasons was that, that I've always been proud to be an American, traveled a lot, know people overseas and you have a little bit of that swagger, and we have squandered that. We squandered it because of this. Now, it's been being squandered, I would say that, over the last three years as we pulled away from our responsibilities internationally. But reading the post-exposé today um, was a nail on the coffin for this feeling for me, that we will never be the greatest country in the world again. We had all the assets to be a leader in this pandemic, and we absolutely squandered each and every one of them. And that's very sad. So I think we are, you know, we watched, in part, England squander its empire. We too, to use the word again, have done that. And I think it's very sad. And Because who emerges as the leader? China? And do they have the moral standing that we've had or at least tried to have in the world? Of course not. And I I think that of all the things that we will blame this moment for and more specifically blame Donald Trump for, that will be it.
0: I have one last question. I don't know if this is going to be a positive, happy ending or not. I hear from a lot of people. I see posts on Facebook. This will be an opportunity for people to come together. Families to come together. We'll know what it's like to be separated. There's a hopeful message in that. Something in me goes back to 9-11 when I heard people saying Finally, our country is going to be unified in a patriotic outburst. And I think that lasted three weeks (laughs) at the time.
1: Something like that.
0: What's your feeling? Is this going to change our character as a nation or do we go on the way we did?
1: I actually have thought a lot about that. And I'm hoping that it does change not our character as a nation, but at least makes us think about what we've become since, you know, Clinton and the 20 years and the divides and, the, you know, you're a rhino and you're a communist and all that to step back and say, actually, we're Americans and we got through this thing together and all that infighting didn't help us. It only hurt us to be the country we could have been. That's a very hopeful way to look at it. And, you know, a lot of things we just don't know. And I think that's one we just don't know.
0: No, and I'm going to end with you on that note of hope. We don't know. And the predictions are from the Surgeon General, from others, that we're going about to face uh, an extremely difficult week. They're calling it perhaps one of the worst weeks uh, of our lives. Very frightening kind of thought. So maintaining some hope is worthwhile. Let's see if we can do that at least until we talk All right. tomorrow.
1: Thanks, John. Thanks,
0: man. Bye. Thanks, man.